I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today the guys will talk about their spring training trip, they will take your sorry-ass Twitter questions, and they will have a very special guest. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoo. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 podcast post-spring training trip. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric Labou, as we are still recovering from a very long weekend brought to you by Top Golf. How's it going, Eric? Man, I had so much fun this weekend, dude. Like, I, I feel like I treat them, you know the old saying on the Jamba Juice cups back in the day, it said, treat your body like a temple? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Like, I've put on so much weight. I... And that's just before spring training. And then we went to spring training. It's like, holy hell, dude. Like, literally beer every day, pizza every day, Mexican food. Hard liquor. Hard liquor. Yeah, dude. Just a complete nightmare for my for my body. Yeah. So. Uh, my body is in the torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> say, I think I put on, I put on probably about five pounds of real weight and another five pounds of bloated weight, like water retention. Yeah, dude, it's just absolutely, absolute carnage. Yes, for that. But I mean, baseball wise, dude, we couldn't have asked for a better weekend. We had uh, a lot going down, a lot that we're excited to tell you guys about. Some things we saw in the backfield. We have your Twitter questions coming up. A, a lot of good ones actually, and I'm gonna make sure. That we get a question in from Carlos R at C underscore Los R. Yes. Since we snubbed him last time. <laughs> I saw you had a nice long thread with himself going. Yeah, so we have that going on. And we actually we have a very special guest towards the end of the show as well. Uh, we'd like to promote the number one Padres podcast. So we're going to have uh, Andy Mazone on um, at AF Mazone. Make sure you guys follow him. So we're going to directly promote the competition, uh, but we couldn't be happier to do that because, uh, I mean, we he's all know he's a good friend of ours. A, yeah, he's a good friend of ours, and we all know that he's at the top of the totem pole right now, and we're, we're staring up at uh, at the at the old ball sack of uh, AF Mazone. So. Yeah, you know, I almost feel like it's like watching your child grow up because we had him on as a special <laughs> guest a couple of times, and, yeah. and there he is. He took all the wisdom and knowledge he learned hanging around us a couple of times, and now he's got the number one rated podcast in all of Padres Twitter. But uh, let's jump into spring training. An absolute blast of the week. And we picked a great time to go. I didn't know this um, until we got there. But that Saturday was actually um, basically uh, day one for minor league spring training camp. I mean, we've seen some minor league guys um, get some playing time. But uh, the guys who haven't been getting the major league games, who haven't been reassigned or who weren't assigned to major league camp, uh, the Patinos of the world, the Gores of the world. Saturday was uh, their day one, and uh, we got we got a lot to look at. Particularly, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Patino. That's who I really because I hadn't seen him live yet. What were yeah. your takeaways watching Patino as he consistently hit ninety five miles an hour? Dude, he was so impressive, man. It's just like if I wasn't excited enough already about watching him and Elsinore this year. Just watching him back there and watching him up close. And by the way, if you guys haven't gone to spring training, I think it might be a little late in the game for now. But next year, make sure you get out there. Make sure you get to the backfields. It's an absolute must. Patino was completely impressive, dude. Just absolute dominance. He was just mowing these fools down. They had no chance. I mean, he's up there. Um, the cool thing is they have the radar gun back there. The the scouts are back there charting pitches and uh, and seeing how hard he's throwing. So he was like he was sitting 95. When we were watching him, uh, his off-speed secondary pitches 
were plus. <laughs> he had everything on, which this early in the game is impressive because you would expect him to be working through the kinks, and and he really didn't have any man. He was uh, he was sitting there carving them up, and it was it was really fun to watch because those guys were just completely overmatched. Yeah, I I didn't realize how small he was. Yeah, I yeah. mean you hear that he's small, but I mean he's probably about. They say he's like what's probably listed at five ten, five eleven. I don't think he's much taller than me, and I'm about depending on uh, depending on how new my cleats are five nine, <laughs> five eight, five nine. Depending on how long I've had those particular set of cleats. See, you just answered one of Carlos's Twitter questions. So oh, there, there you he go. Asked how tall you were. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> five eight, five nine in cleats. Yeah, there um, you go. But he's not particular. He's kind of like slightly built, right? Like he's like a thinner, a little bit shorter Anderson Espinosa, who we got to see up close in person. Um, unfortunately, we'll, touch we'll on talk that about that yeah, later. We'll, we'll touch on that, but <laughs> we kind of have something to compare him to, right? And right. so he's he's a thinner guy, uh, but the ball just jumps out of his hands. He has a real, real clean. He kind of it's it's not Mackenzie Gore. It's Mackenzie Gore esque, but it's a little less dramatic on the leg kick, um, and particularly from the stretch, it's not as dramatic. But real smooth, easy arm swing, real smooth, easy arm action, and the ball just explodes at ninety five. I mean, it gets on hitters quick. He was. Blowing those fools away, and then he had this wipeout tidal wave, like slurve slider curve thing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of in between the two yeah. of them. It's not really a breaking ball. It's not really a slider. It's it's kind of like the slurve. Yeah, I, I looked it up because I'm like, it's not really a slider because it doesn't have that typical like twelve. Like, yeah, two to was that like two to seven like yeah, movement where it whatever. just kind of cuts down. Um, it's not that. It's not twelve to six. Yeah, it's it's, it's I don't know. It's hard to say because it's thrown harder than a curveball, but it kind of has like a slider like direction but it kind of loops so i looked it up i think it was on friday's chat eric, eric longenhagen had a chat um where he mentioned like a slur and he mentioned that's kind of like what Pitino throws it's like it's a two-plane pitch but it's still a little bit harder than a curve but not as hard as a slider so i'm comfortable saying it's probably a slur and it is disgusting yeah let's talk a little bit about elsinore and how the rotation is yeah is shaping up dude so they're gonna have Patino in the rotation they're gonna have gore in the rotation they're likely we we're speaking with john uh john connor from mad Friars earlier uh, madfires.com make sure you subscribe five dollars a month drop the coffee we we're talking with john conniff earlier and he he seems to think that weathers is going to start in elsinore as well so patino you have gore you have weathers um who else do you have down there um i could see avila pedro avila maybe going down there i think he got a start in major league in yeah, a major dude. league game recently but maybe him their their rotation is absolutely stacked so that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch and honestly if the padres wouldn't have signed machado i probably would have been at elsinore more than i would be in you know, San yeah. Diego. I kind of feel bad for Elsinore because we were talking about going to a lot of games and then the Padres signed Machado. We yeah. kind of haven't talked about it. Um, Espinosa, I think. Uh, Espinosa is another yeah. guy. We, well, we were talking to Kevin Charity, who was out there um, as well uh, this mm-hmm. past weekend. Kevin Charity, Ben Davies was out yep. there as well. So we had the pleasure of bumping into them uh, for a little bit. Yeah. Well, Ben Davies, not so much Charity. Yeah. But nonetheless. Um, but uh, their thought seems to be that Espinosa will probably stay in extended um, after everybody gets assigned to affiliated ball, stay in the complex for a little while. And then eventually, maybe I'm thinking the second half of the year um, makes his way to Elsinore. So they could be pretty friggin' stacked. I mean, just just Gore, Patino, and Weathers is a pretty strong rotation in, yeah. in your high uh, in your high affiliate. And that's not even counting in their position players. So yeah. you're gonna have uh, Jason Rosario out there in center field. You're gonna have Ornelas out there in a the corner spot, probably right field. Ruiz, I think, will probably break it. Ruiz, Onya will probably have to be back there again. Yeah, but to that point, uh, Kevin was saying that he has seen nothing but Onya smashing. So I, I had kind of lost hope in Onya, but from what I've kind of forgot about him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, he he hasn't really made himself uh, memorable. No, but from everything that we've heard, he's been you know he's been smashing. But to that point, I didn't see him at all when we were out there. No, I didn't either. I thought there's a 
couple guys. But remember, we were asking like, we haven't seen Weathers, we hadn't seen Onya. Well, Weathers um, was at the snack bar, from what we had heard. <laughs> we Sources. Thought, we actually thought we were going to run into him at uh, where the hell did? We, oh, uh, Bobby Q's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're see him over there chowing down ribs with a fake mustache on, incognito. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, let's talk about the the other guys. We talked about part of the rotation. Um, the I want to say it was Friday when we got there. Friday because you can thir- well not. Uh, when we got to the complex on Friday. Okay. Because you got I don't know if you guys know this, but when you get there, when you pull up the complex, go down to the far right, there's the admin building. You can walk in there and you can pick up schedules for a couple of days and it'll outline, you know, who's playing where and, and where the games are. And there is also, my wife's in the other room, so I'm trying oh. to whisper, but there's also a smoking hot blonde chick that works in there. <laughs> Like, Good you, lord! Your bedroom voice. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you make sure you go in there. Make sure you get the schedules. They have it laid out. Who's throwing that day and who's throwing the next day. And the entire roster that's out there. Yeah. So um, when we got there and we picked up a copy, I think it was Friday, where it outlined that Gore, Baez, and Mora Home were all throwing in uh, inner squad games. Um, on the alternating fields. Was it Thursday or Friday? That so Danny's happened? wrong. This is how it went. This is how it went down. We left 4 a.m. on Thursday morning. We drove out there. We showed up at 9. The gates didn't open until 9.30 or 9.45, which is great. I could have been I could have spent that time sleeping. So yes. I would have got four hours of sleep instead of three and a half. <laughs> so we got there Thursday. And just by chance, it, it turns out that that was the day where Morahone was pitching so on one field. Baez was oh, pitching no. on the other. And Mackenzie Gore was pitching on the other field. And we were supposed to pick up our buddy, uh, Patrick Morgan, at Uncle Pimo. That's right. On Twitter. We were supposed to pick him up from the airport since his, he's way too bougie to make the road trip with us. He had to fly. And so he was coming in at 11.30. That's when he was landing. And, and it turns out that those guys were all throwing starting at 11. So I texted him. I said, hey, pal, you're on your fucking own. Like, <laughs> like uh, if you want to wait until we're done, then great. We'll, we'll make it out there. But, yeah, you get to walk in. And the three fields are within probably 100 feet of each other. So when one inning is done, when Gore is done mowing them down, you walk right over, you see Espinosa. Or, excuse me, Morahone. When he's done, you walk over, you see Baez. And it was it was amazing, dude. Seeing all that talent in one place and being able to walk from one place to the other. It was, yeah. it was really cool absolutely and a couple and we got to watch them throw pens too because they have a bullpen they have two bullpens over there one is completely tarped off so you have to i think you were sitting down yeah i'm getting the phone most of people were sitting down getting the phone like right at the bottom of the tarpons to get an upward view yeah um and you guys are welcome for all the periscopes by yes the way. absolutely it was great work on your end Dicks. very generous of you <laughs> um but uh my biggest takeaway is how much better gore is from pretty much anybody else we saw start yeah i mean just it is, if you've never, video is only going to do him so much justice to watch him live pitching against these guys. It wasn't even, it wasn't even competitive. Um, Logan White was near us walking around. Yeah. Uh, he had a nice little interaction with him. But yeah. we overheard him mutter to, you know, the other guys that were out there saying, God, this isn't even fair. Like, <laughs> Yeah, think, these guys aren't even competition for this guy. Yeah, I think Gore had struck out the side in that yeah. particular inning, and after the third strikeout, Logan White's like, "This isn't even fair. <laughs> this isn't even fair." But yeah, it was cool, man. So it's like we're sitting there, we're watching Morahone, and and uh, Logan White's standing right next to me when I'm on Periscope, and Darren Balsey's right next to me too. Um, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, that inning, half inning gets over. So I turn around, start going back to Gore, and as is Logan White. So we're walking, and I look over at, him, and I'm like. Hey, man, you guys have too many fucking prospects, dude. You make me walk too much. <laughs> and he laughs. He's like, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. But it's just cool, man. Like, that kind of interaction that you get with the players, the front office even, um, it's just really cool. But, yeah, as you are saying with Mackenzie Gore, oh, my gosh, dude. Like, it's not even close, man. It, it's Get him some real competition. So how he – I don't know what he's ranked. I have to look it up. 
um, to see what he's ranked on on the different Padres uh, prospect uh, list. But to me, he's number two. He's got to be number two, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that's how he's listed. But he's he's got to be number two. I mean, he's just he's right there. I could legitimately see him just dominating a ball because a lot of these guys he's pitching to in these inter squad games are either low or high A guys, and he's just carving right through them. And it's not like he's carving through like the Mets or the Mariners system, right? Or like Baltimore system where they're just, you know, they're just a really poor, piss poor farm system. Like he's carving through the Padres farm system and he's just mowing these guys down. Um, The other thing I took away from is, uh, you know, watching, um, I mean, Baez was Baez. Yeah. He's got some, he doesn't get a long stride in his, in his mechanics and I could see why he can be inconsistent, but um, I know he gave up a bomb, but overall, I think guys are sleeping on Morahone a little bit because I know there were some talks about, oh, who would you trade if you have to trade some of these guys? Like, I think guys that are that are talking about trading Morahone, I don't think they've seen much of him live because right. he's really impressive live. I mean, Gore is clearly better, but I could see Morahone being pretty close to him as far as stuff goes. Well, we've seen Morahone in person at Elsinore yeah. last year, and he he looks like he's gotten even better. Yeah. Even better in the offseason. So it's just like, yeah, seeing him setting these guys up, all of his off-speed was on point. Yeah, he got taken deep once, but I mean... I mean, it happens. Yeah, it, it happens. That's that's baseball. And Aaron Arizona. Yeah, but dude, to see him mixing it up, him and Gore, dude, like, it's just like the future. I just see the future. I see everything happening. And like, I, I try not to get overly dramatic because, you know, I always keep my expectations very tempered because that's will, just my brand. As you will highlight later on. Yeah, that's just my brand. But I see those guys, man, and it's, it's really hard not to get like overly excited and overly optimistic about the very immediate future of this of this ball club. Yeah, absolutely. And when you see somebody like, like, I, like I said, I feel like people are down on Morahone because. He has had some nagging injuries, so he hasn't been on the field. Like, I know Gore's had the same thing, but I think Mackenzie Gore is viewed differently because the, the industry consensus is like, I mean, he's rated the number one left-handed pitcher. Keith Law ranks him the number one left-handed pitching prospect. I'm sure he's pretty close to, if not on, you know, to getting that moniker from, you know, MLB Pipeline from Fangraphs. Whereas Morahone, I think people kind of view him a little bit differently in that, you know, maybe he hasn't performed up to standard. But when we're watching him, I see maybe not as polished, but pretty close to polished 93 to 95, which is what we saw him hitting on the gun, who sets up his cha- his changeup is dirty. He's got a good curveball, but his changeup is Filthy. absolutely filled. I mean, he got a couple of guys where they just looked bad. Yeah. I mean, real bad. Or guys where he would pitch backwards and he'd flip a changeup, a curveball, and kind of set him up, and then just gas him looking on like a 94-95 heater from the left side. Yeah. Um, he also looks a little, th- it looks like he thickened up a little bit. Right. Like he looks a little bit more barrel chested, looks hopefully a little, adding, little wider. Hopefully adding a little bit of durability to him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like I always like to, because I grew up pitching my whole life. I mean, obviously a much lower level, but um, when I watch <laughs> when I watch the game, like what I like to do, I like to sit there and watch it from a pitcher's mindset and perspective, because I like to see like, okay, the count is one and two. Like I, I wonder what he's coming with right now. And a lot of times I'm able to I'm able to get it. I'm pretty close. But with Morahone, dude, completely unpredictable. Like yeah. his stuff. His stuff is to a point where he can throw pretty much any pitch at any point and at any count. It's like, and he was really working that particular day that we saw. He was really working well with the slider um, down and into the righties. Yeah, like he was putting them away with that back foot slider, dude, uh, down and into the righties. He was getting people with that. His, like you said, his changeup. It was just absurd, dude. And and like you think about it, from what we saw this weekend, you have Gore, you have Morahone, you have Patino, three guys that are what under twenty one years old, right? 
all sitting 93 to 95. Yeah. Like, 95 was basically what they're touching. I want to say sitting 95. However, yeah. I could be I, off. I'd say sitting 93 to 95 is pretty... Like, 94 was like... The uh, the cumulative average between yeah. that's like you know, the aggregate of their fastballs and these guys 94. are 20, 21 years old tops. Yeah. So dude, it's just it's just so exciting, man. And it's yeah, Morahone. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to decide who I was more impressed by, Gore or Morahone. And really, it's a toss up, dude. I I'm personally gonna go with Gore just because like I had never seen him before, so there's kind of like that. Oh man, this is awesome, first time uh, feeling. And whereas I've I've seen Morahone before, so I, I I'm gonna kind of lean towards Gore. Um, but I mean, if you if you told me that you would pick Morahone, I, I wouldn't argue. See, I'd agree with you just because I haven't seen Gore. Like, right. like you know, he, he hasn't made the 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 roster to Elsinore. We've only seen video of him. I think he was the most impressive because he looks pretty close. Like he looks really paused to the point where I can see him on Paddock's trajectory from last year. He goes to Elsinore, he stays there through you know the All Star break, goes up to Double A, and then next spring he's starting major league games in spring training. And you're thinking like. Hey, this kid's like pushing to make the rotation. Like, I I think if he stays healthy, that's where he's that's where he's headed. He looks that good right now. Like, he looked way better than. And we got to see like Lucchese and Lauer and Quantro when they were in you know spring training camp. Like, we got to watch them. Yeah, he looks miles ahead of these guys. Oh yeah, like not, not even, even close. Not even close. Not even close. He um, might like stuff wise, pitch for pitch, he might have the best stuff in the entire system right, right now. now. As in <laughs> right major now. league, major league, minor league, whatever. Yeah, like, I I think he might be their best. Um, their most talented pitcher, even if he's not quite as polished as Paddock. But I don't think he's that far off of Paddock as yeah. far as like just watch. Because we got to watch Paddock too mm-hmm. when he pitched in the minor leagues. We got to see him in Elsinore last year. And and I'd be hard-pressed to say that he's not better than Paddock now. Uh, better now than Paddock was maybe a year ago. Paddock's a little bit older, a little bit more polished. Um, but um, so my, my biggest takeaway was Gore, just how impressive he really is. Like the hype... The hype doesn't match what he actually is in person. He actually exceeds what you'd expect from him. Absolutely. Um, but I am happy to see, because I'm, I'm the high man on Morahone. I've, I've said many a times, there are a lot of Twitter threads like, who would you rather trade, you know, Logan Allen or Morahone or Baez? And I've all said, like, I'd rather deal Baez, like, or excuse me, Allen, because I don't think he's better than a back-end starter. I haven't been particularly impressed with his stuff spring training-wise. Results you know, result-wise, you know, don't worry about it, but just watching him pitch. Okay. And then me seeing more of Hone out there and like, yeah, I, I feel really confident in sticking with, like, I would not trade this guy. I think he is a a number two type of starter. Like, I think he's a, a like, you have Gore as like a number one, maybe Paddock's your 1A, and then to me, more of Hone's your, uh, your, one, your 1B. Yeah. You know, he's, he's that good. And I think if you haven't seen him live, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're kind of maybe underestimating him or underselling him a little bit as opposed to guys like Lauer... Um, or Allen and Lucchese, who seem to be or viewed as better just because I think their floors are higher. But Morahone, you watch him pitch, and it's easy to see why um, he's ranked higher than these guys consistently. Yeah, they definitely have, like, I mean, it's, it's no secret. They definitely have the the um, the prospects to where basically you take a handful of shit and you throw it against the wall and you see what sticks. Like, I'm confident in whatever whatever variation of, that, of shit that sticks to the wall, it's going to be very solid. Yeah. Like they're they're gonna come to a point right now. Their their rotation is probably obviously. I mean, I think it might be a little bit underrated, but it's to the point where right now that's a weak spot. But starting even as soon as next year, and then certainly twenty twenty one. I think June. Yeah, yeah, and then certainly twenty twenty one though. 
Um, that's going to be absolutely their strong point, dude. And you see their offense this year in spring training is absolutely absurd. Yeah, like, and we're gonna they're scoring a lot of runs, dude. So if you add those pitching prospects, if everything pans out with those guys, barring injuries, of course, um, you you add the combination of those two, man, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I, I I honestly believe I said it before. I honestly believe World Series is in the very near, near future. As do I, and I, I think they have so, and it's been stated so many times. Keith Law, Fangraphs, like everybody that talks about the Padres system, states the same thing. They have so much depth, like so many guys who would crack most of the other 29 teams' top 10 that this is almost a foolproof like system. Right. Like they have so many guys like if Hudson Potts doesn't work out, well, they have Terso and Ellis as another position player. You know, like if Manny Margot or Cordero don't work out, well, they still have Jason Rosario and maybe they can move Xavier Edwards or, you know, Tuca Pita Marcano. Like they have so many guys who are so exciting. Like those guys get buried. Like we saw Edwards, we saw Marcano and they were yeah. fun to watch, but they get buried because there's so many guys better than them. Hudson Potts is a great example of a guy who's really kind of broke out a little bit this spring. He's hit some mammoth home runs. He took Irvin Santana all the way to Yuma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on a home run you periscope. And, like, he's basically out of a spot. He ain't playing short. He ain't, he's not going to play second. And he's not going to play third. So where do you move him at this point? And he's a guy, like, maybe they turn him into, like, a Ben Zobrist and just kind of bounce him around. But, like, I don't want to give up on Potts. I'm, I'm big on Potts. I think he's kind of like that next... He's not that elite, you know, of like the Mejia and Tatis, you know, superstar ceilings. I think he's kind of just a little bit below Arias where he's like, he looks like he's going to be a good everyday major leaguer. Maybe you can move around. But he's a guy that kind of gets buried and he's been impressive and he impressed us when we were there. Let's talk about that for a little bit because you and I are big potheads. Yeah, big potheads. Big, big potheads. I love potheads. me some Hudson Sanchez pots. So we went back there and, uh, you know, we, every morning we'd go there, we'd go straight to the major league camp because we'd want to watch their BP. We'd want to see what was going on. Well, that particular day, there was a, a B squad or a B game yeah. or whatever against the White Sox, um, which we found out later Machado was batting second in every inning, which was really cool to watch. Um, but in that B squad game, you see Lucchese took the mound. He looked good. Yeah. He looked good against the White Sox. He looked like Joey Lucchese. He did exactly. But Hudson Potts, like Ooh, no wait. one impressed more than Hudson Potts. When we saw him in BP, lasers, line drives all over the place. Which it's BP, so you'd expect that. But he's always been known to be uh, very solid with the bat. And then you see him in the game soon. He just completely unloaded on Irvin Santana. Who, yeah. You know, for him, I would have taken him on the Padres. I know you said you wanted yeah, him. Yeah, I wanted him. I Like, dude, this guy was hurt last year. Two years ago, he was like a solid number three pitcher. I would have taken him in a heartbeat. Major league quality pitcher there, um, Irvin Santana. And the thing is, is like, dude, the wind was blowing in. If you guys watch my periscopes, the wind was blowing in hard. Yes, like, to was. the point where Manny got a hold of one, and for a second off the bat, I'm like, oh, man, like, maybe he we, got I that. think you have it, like, oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it just it, peters it, out. It was kind of warning track. But Potts, it was an absolute no-doubter. Wind be goddamn, dude. It was an absolute no doubt and to the point like I've I've kind of started to wonder what they're going to do with Potts because as I mean before Machado was signed and even after like I was telling myself hey if we bring in this guy like Hudson Potts is a very attractive trade piece which he still is but I'm to the point now where like with Potts dude like if another team approaches us it, it we better be getting quality um, for Hudson Potts we're at the point now to where the trades, I want like three years of an above average major league player if if Potts is part of a of a package for that then yeah absolutely like we're getting to the point to where any trades that we make it should sting for who we're giving up but yeah. that's because of the quality that we're getting in return so like for for Hudson Potts when I see that I'm kind of looking and you had just mentioned it but I think that his best like his best bet to get to the show is probably the outfield at this point I'm thinking left field. So here's what I'm thinking. I kind of mentioned it to you before. 
What I'm thinking for Potts, you give him an entire year in double A. Let him mash whatever. Entire year in double A. Next year, you give him an entire year in triple A. I don't care how he's doing. Guess what? You're <laughs> down there the he's, entire year. He's still only 19 going exactly. on 20. So it's not like you're burying him at 23 or 24. Like he's he's going to be 20 this year and he'll be 20. He could realistically make a debut at age 22 season. So exactly. it's not like he's 25 yeah, waiting. Exactly. And even if you have to throw him another year in El Paso, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. But if you give him an entire two years, one in double-A, one in triple-A, at that point you have two years left with Will Myers. Okay, so let's say you, you give two full years for Potts down in, in the minors. Uh, give him another half season in El Paso. So then you have one and a half years of Will Myers. So at that point, and that's even if another team, if we haven't been able to give, you know, to trade Will Myers somewhere else. So at that point, you bring him up, you have him in a platoon role uh, for a year and a half, and then when Myers leaves, that's your left fielder. Right there, Hudson Potts. Here's my idea with Potts after I threw this out there over the weekend because it seemed to be kind of moving towards us. I want to say he's gotten some time in at first, but I feel like he can kind of take over for what I think they want France to be in that you can put him at third. You can put him at second, you can put him at first, you can put him in left, and you can put him in right. I like if, that. If he can kind of bounce around and be like, he can basically be like our our Ben Zobrist, maybe not as versatile like what he'll bring, but a guy to me, like he doesn't have to be above average at every position to provide value. He can just be a stand-in. Right. And, you know, you can kind of bounce him around and he can you, not hide him, but he can kind of masquerade a little bit, um, kind of like what Will Myers has been, but... This guy was a shortstop coming up, so it's not like he's not athletic enough. He's graded to have an above-average arm. I checked at Fangraphs and uh, MLB Pipeline earlier today. Like, I think they can kind of get him in the lineup that way because it ideally you'll have the DH in 2020. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Ideally you'll have that. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially for the Padres. I think Renfro at that point is probably going to be gone. I think you'll know if you're going to have Margot Cordero in center at that point, if either of them. And I think at that point, you'll have figured out, like, you know, is Reyes going to be here long-term? Is Myers going to be here long-term? Like, I think there's a place, and I mean, there's also Naylor, but, like, if I had to choose, you know, like, I'm hoping Reyes pans out, but if, if Reyes pans out, I'm looking like, hey, we can DH him in 2020, right? and maybe we'll plug him in the outfield here and there and give guys days off or whatnot, but, like, maybe, like, we can have, like, Potts maybe play first on, like, give Hosmer a day off or DH or play left and just kind of bounce him around. And then you can still keep Myers. You can still keep Ray's. You might even still be able to keep Naylor right. if, if that's the case. Um, so that's what I'm really hoping happens. That he just tears it up in, in double-A this year, gets to triple-A next year. You have the DH. That allows you to either move Naylor into that spot or Ray's into that spot to free up an extra roster spot. They're going to get the 26-man roster now. Which is big. Which is huge because now that gives you an extra roster spot. You can only carry 13 pitchers, which is also huge. Because that'll kind of, I think, lengthen out the bench a little bit. Right. Um, so I think there's a path for Potts to get in there. I would absolutely deal him if the right trade came along. You know, if it, I'm trying to think of a pit. Like, if the Twins suck. And they, yeah, and they say, hey, we're going to move, you know, Barrios. Like, we want Potts, we want Baez, and we want somebody else. Like, oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> See you or later, still. guy. See you later, guy. Yeah. I, I, would, um, I, would give up, I would give up enough to where it hurts, like yeah. if we got Ian Snow. But I think Potts, like, I looked him up on MLB Pipeline, and he like he's not right in their top, like, 10. And I'm like, to me, like, he's he's pretty close. He was 19 in AA. He's going to be 20 in AA, which means he'll probably be 21 in AAA, like, to me, that's like a top 15. He's like our next position player after Mejia that looks, well, I mean, 
I don't consider Naylor a position player. Right. <laughs> He's more of a lineup. If player. we're being honest. Yeah, if we're being honest. I know John Conniff disagrees with me, but I, I watching Naylor lumber around, other than he does have a good arm, right. watching him lumber in the outfield is brutal. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> it's definitely painful. It's like that family guy song where Stewie follows the fat guy at the golf course with the tuba. That's what I think about when I'm seeing Naylor waddle around in the outfield. Even though he can hit. I mean, I think he took out an airplane against Bauer today, but <laughs> yeah. God, it's crushed. But like I can see Potts finding a way with the DH and the 26-man roster spot coming through. Like, hey, we can give this guy three, 400 at-bats as you know an above-average bat that can kind of plug in everywhere by the time 2021 rolls around, which he should be ready by then. Yeah, I'm not in a rush to trade him is what I'm trying no, to say. absolutely so not. Let him build a shit ton of value. And like in the meantime, hey, if you see a point, if you see an opportunity to really improve your roster by trading him, Great. You then have trade to him. Blow but our it, socks off. Yeah, in but order to in, do that. Well, I don't even know about blowing your socks off, but like it has to be the right move. If you identify a, a move that you know puts you over the top and it yeah, costs exactly. you Hudson Potts, then do it. But at this point here, I'm letting him build value. I'm letting him bid, build value for the next two years, and then I'm in the meantime hoping that something figures itself out, whether it be injuries to Myers or whoever, whether they trade Myers or whoever Renfro. Um, I, I'm I'm willing to let him kind of do his thing for a couple years and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about something else that happened in that game there. So that the B game in the back, and that's uh, again Lucchese started and Francisco Mejia was behind the plate. I do want to point out for all the anti Mejia fans out there, he didn't seem to have a problem framing strikes. And I know my good buddy at Padres Farm will agree with me on Mejia practicing the frame job and that being a skill. He looked pretty damn good. Catching uh, Paddock's uh, catching Paddock's um, game that he started on television the other night. Yeah, weird. Yeah, odd. The other <laughs> thing I want to point out is that the argument is I've seen is you want a veteran catcher to handle the young staff. These pitchers are throwing to unexperienced catchers their entire careers. Paddock is thrown to like Luis Torrens last year. Right. Like, they're throwing to guys who don't have major league experience their entire careers, and they seem just fine. Nothing changes at the major league level. So I'm done standing for um, Francisco Mejia. You can continue. Yeah, so it's, yeah, like you said, it's really weird, dude, that he caught Paddock and, like, nothing bad happened. And <laughs> and in that uh, B game, he caught Lucchese. And, oh, my God, dude, so weird. Nothing happened, like, out of the norm. You know, um, he maybe he didn't get a 2-1 strike for Lucchese at one point. Um, but, yeah, he did just <laughs> fine. Dude, we saw him out there. Uh, someone someone was wandering off of first base after a pitch. What does he do? Picks him off. Yeah. Like, uh, the pitch comes in, but he pops up, boom, done. Hosed. Hosed at Hosed. first. Hosed at first. And then um, there's another thing that I wanted to point out here in regards to Manny Machado and kind of the, the leadership aspect that we had talked about the last time that we had recorded a podcast. The villain, the villain narrative. And that people had started to say during the... Uh, um, on Twitter, you know, they've started to point it out that, hey, you know what, maybe this guy isn't such a fucking asshole like everyone says he is. So there is a point in time, um, this was this was uh, brought up before that um, Machado kind of got on Mejia because he didn't hit him in the chest after a strikeout, which a lot of people are like, oh, hey, like, is that really necessary? But for me, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That's what I like to see. That's leadership. As stupid as that sounds, that's leadership. Here's another thing for leadership. They had the infield in. And uh, there was a runner on third, and the runner on third was moving on contact. So there's a ground ball, I think it was to Arias at short. Uh, he comes in, makes the play, throws it to Mejia. Mejia catches him, tags him, he's out, and, but he kind of hesitates. And then he looks up, and he's like, oh shit, I could probably get him at first. So he tries throwing down the first. He almost gets him, but he, the guy beats it out. So you immediately hear everyone from the, from the Padres dugout saying, oh, come on, getting on Mejia for not yeah. being more alert and coming straight up and firing down the first. So a few other batters go, and it, it's kind of in the past at that point. But then after the inning, you see Machado go right up to Mejia. 
and you see them pointing towards first and Machado's given like you know he's going through the motions basically you can you can draw your own conclusions he's telling him hey you need to be alert at all times there's an opportunity for an out our pitcher had to throw more pitches because of a mistake that you made and a move that you did not make in getting that guy out at first those are plays you need to make if you're going to be a starting catcher and that's leadership dude it's absolutely he was there to hit all he was do all he was there was there to hit but he does that he goes out of his way multiple times to try to make sure that our young talent is getting the most out of what their abilities are yeah but he's a clubhouse cancer dot spongebob fun yeah it was really <laughs> it was really cool to see and then after i put this on twitter dude but after the after the game when he's getting ready to leave he's sitting there he goes down the line he signs for all the kids dude literally every single kid that was there yeah cuz they have uh, they have so when you go over there on the major league um they have like the B squad field, so that's where they play BP. But then they have the actual game fields for the major league guys that are mixing in, and they have barricades, like little uh, metal rails, where it says "14 and under only." So you basically line up all the kids in a line yeah. that get to wait there for autographs. And some of the guys, like I saw, I'm not gonna name the player, but I saw a player where one of the autograph chasers, you know, the guy in his 40s, you know, weighs 400 pounds, is <laughs> waddling after each player with a binder full of cards, goes and asks a player. Hey, can I have an autograph? And one of the responses was, ah, I think you've had enough. <laughs> Who was that, dude? I don't remember, to be honest with you. Even if I did, I wouldn't throw it under the bus. Yeah. Pretty good idea of who it was, but I'm not going to say it. I heard that, uh, I saw on Twitter that Hunter the Beer Kid got snubbed by <laughs> Kirby Yates. Yeah, I told you that. Yeah, yeah I saw he got snubbed by Kirby former, Yates. Former 5.5 uh, podcast uh, guest Hunter got, yeah. got the cold shoulder. That was pretty got, funny, got, dude. Got uh, swung and missed at the old splitty there. That was pretty funny. So, yeah, <laughs> so I was sitting there, I was observing, I was watching Manny, I was like, okay, I wonder what he's going to do. Um, so he's sitting there. He's signing for everyone. He's taking selfies. Um, everyone was like fawning over to get oh, his yeah. autograph. Well, that's Manny the one Machado. you want. That's the one you want. So I was sitting there, and I kind of set up myself because they there's they have the barricades up, and you know that once they cross that certain part of the fence, they're just going to walk back to the clubhouse. So I set myself up there on the side. There was no one around, and I knew he was going to walk right past me. So Manny and I, we had a little moment. Oh okay? God! You weren't there for that, but Donovan was at yes. SD at SD Donovan. So he'll back me up on this. I was sitting there. And I wanted to thank him, man, because he gave me so much. He's given me so much hope that I've never had in this team before. So he's sitting there. After he signs the last autograph, takes the last selfie, he starts walking off. He's like, all right, guys, hey, thanks. And he starts walking. And he's maybe three feet from me. And there's no one else around me. I'm like, hey, Manny. And he turns around and he looks. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, hey, thanks for choosing us. And he's like, yes, sir. And I was like, let's, let's fucking win some ball games. He's like, let's fucking go. And he's like laughing and shit, and he walks back. And it's but a minor thing. But he's an asshole, Eric. Come it's a minor on. thing, dude. It's no. a minor thing. He had the shitty grin on his face, and he's like, hell yeah, dude. But, like, I just I wanted to make sure that he knew it, because I'm sure other people had thanked him. But, like, I just want to say, hey, thanks for choosing us, dude. See, and I don't think it's a minor thing. I think it's important, because what do Padre fans always cherish when they go back and think about the players that we love? We cherish Trevor Hoffman and Tony Gwynn, not just because they were great players, but right. more than that, because they were so interactive with the fan base. Like, you you hear stories about Tony Gwynn being everything you could have ever hoped he was as a person when people meet him. You and I, and I saw it firsthand, you have a, a one-on-one experience with Trevor Hoffman that basically right. defined him as a man and as a character, as somebody to look up to. Like, so... 
you look for that. It's like right. with Tatis, right? Like you told Tatis, you know, what did you what did you tell him exactly? I can't remember what. So you that was kind of the same thing. I was yeah. waiting until he's done signing for the kids, and he's walking Dude, past the bullpen. Bombs and BP. Yeah, he's walking past the bullpen. And I was standing there. I was like, I was like, Fernando, you're the man. And he looks at me, he smiles, he just winks. <laughs> Million dollar smile, so wag, yeah, just dripping dude. swag out of his. My boxers dress. were wet afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it was a very, uh, it was a very wet weekend. As, for as cooks, <laughs> as cooks said, he goes, he's like, congratulations on being pregnant now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, cook, that was me. You hugged at work. I yeah. just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's the idea that you know we we uh, we look up to these guys. I mean, we're in our thirties, but like you have a, a picture. Speak of, for yourself. Yeah, like, you're, I'm you're, 29 next month. <laughs> God, are you really that young? Jeez. Yep. yep. But, um, you know, we have an idea of what these players like, what we want them to be, right? Like, we want Manny to be the superstar. Like, we want him to be, you know, this infectious, charismatic guy. Like, I look at Tatis, and I look at him like, he's going to be our version of, like, Dwayne Johnson. This <laughs> loud, over-the-top, infectious, charismatic personality. And I don't know if Manny's going to be that or not, but to hear him get hyped and to say, like, yeah, let's fucking go. Like to yeah. me, I think as a fan base, that just draws you in more because it makes you want to root for the superstar that you feel like we deserve. We deserved a superstar, and we're getting what we want out of a guy who we know is going to be good. But him saying that makes it sound like he legitimately wants to be here. I know people got in his case for, oh, you know, we're going to look to compete for a wild card. I appreciate the honesty, but I also appreciate the fact like he's not coming in here. Oh, it's a developmental year. Like he's right. like, yeah, we want to win. Like you know, it's a tough division, but we think we can go for a wild card. Like. To Which me, he got shit on. But to me, for those comments. But to me, I don't look at it like I was like he he clearly wants to win, but he also has realistic expectations. But right. I don't think they're a wild card team. He's clearly more uh, enamored with this group than I am. Yeah. Um, from a competition standpoint, but I I think we cherish that kind of stuff, like that one on one interaction with these guys, where we come away loving the guy more. Like I love Trevor. I've I've always loved Trevor. But after your interaction with him with the first spring training I went out there for, I fucking I would die for Trevor at this point. Like yeah. I'm a Trevor stan. Oh yeah. Because of that. And now after Manny and Tatis, particularly Manny, seeing how he responded, and it wasn't like it was fake, like he's not at a press conference. Like it's literally off the cuff, just reacting to the fans around him. Like yeah. I'm all in, baby. Oh yeah. I'm no there's no all this clubhouse cancer, he's a villain, crap, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I, I I couldn't be happier, dude. It's just like seeing everything there. Like I already knew, you know, I already knew exactly what was what we were gonna see, what we were hoping to see, you know, all of that, and everything. It honestly exceeded my expectations. Like we had gone, we had gone out there for this is my fourth year, your third year, and dude, it was it was everything I had hoped for. And it gets better every year. Yeah, it really does. Well, actually, to that point, like we were kind of talking about the backfields, and I feel like. The first year I went, it was you know it's cool because we saw these guys who were really excited about. Um, and then the older that they get, the more I want to stick around the major league camp because yeah. that's where those guys are now. Um, but yeah, anyways, it was it was a lot of fun. So if you guys haven't gone to spring training, make sure you do. But uh, what I wanted to do next here, we had kind of teased here that we were going to have a uh, a guest on here. So we were talking about the guests that we were going to have. This guy, hey, he shits on us in the ratings, dude. He absolutely shits on us. So uh, make sure you find him. Uh, it's the Padres' number one podcast. So the website you can find him at, people have been asking all the time. They're blowing up my DMs. They're blowing up his DMs. They're saying, hey, where can we find this quality content? And I'm going to tell you right now. It's at andrewmazone.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-A-Z-O-N.com. So make sure you go on there. Make sure you give him a listen. Make sure you follow. Make sure you share at AF Mazone. Uh, we're going to talk to him. We have him on the line here. Uh, Mazone, hey, what's going on, man? Hey, fellas, what's going on? Hey, on the way. Yeah, man, how you doing? I'm doing great. All right, cool, man. 
So anyways, that was Mazone. Uh, we, we always love uh, hearing from him. We appreciate him uh, for his time for his time and uh, coming on the pod here today. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So again, you can uh, just go ahead and follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Um, go ahead with the handle, Eric. At, at AF Mazone. Yeah, at AF Mazone. Uh, He's really good friends with Jared Weaver. So. Very good friends with Jared Weaver, absolutely. Yeah, Which nowhere is, else can you get that kind of insight. No, so. sir. So uh, we're going to move into what has uh, become uh, probably my favorite uh, bit on the pod is our uh, our Twitter question segment. So um, <laughs> I tried to follow it for a little while, but uh, we got, there's a lot of content on there. So Eric's just going to read some stuff off as uh, we go ahead and uh, and answer your guys' question. Of course, we always appreciate Always appreciate the follows and the uh, participation, but uh, we got some doozies, Eric. Let's go right ahead. Yeah, there there were some good ones. There were some good ones here. So let's start with uh, at uh, Carlos R at C underscore Los R. Why didn't you cowards record while you were out there? Because we were incredibly uh, in uh, incredibly drunk for a lot of it, yeah. and also in severe food comas, yeah. and in some cases overheating thanks to uh, a good friend of mine on the couch. As I was in a sweater and a blanket. Yes, exactly. And I don't, I don't want to sell anyone out here. I don't want to, you know, put anyone on blast. But you ingested a marijuana this weekend. I ingested quite a bit of marijuana. <laughs> I did not inject marijuanas into my buttocks. Yeah. Uh, but I did inhale quite a bit of marijuana while also sucking down an immense amount of alcohol that I am still recovering from. Yes. So the next one here is from Armando Carlos at Armando underscore CM, who I met at um, the Regal Siegel for the Ben and Woods celebratory beer fest ah. after we signed Machado. Great guy, Armando. He says, what do you make out of the Padres reports today that Lucchese threw a side and Paddock will do the same tomorrow? Lucchese for opening day and Paddock on Friday? What do you think? I'm all for it. I, I mean, I, I love the idea of Paddock being the opening day starter because I think he's their best guy. But I just think it's kind of like, like it's cool, but it, in the in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, I thought Lucchese was their best starter last year before he broke camp. He was actually my guy. Because, right. like, I picked him. To, I think he's going to break camp. I think him and Lauer have a good shot, but I like him better. Um, and it would have been cool to get him the opening day start because he's clearly their best guy. But, I mean, I'd be okay with them giving him the the OD nod just because like he pitched really well last year like, he had a great strikeout rate he, he lasted the whole season he's clearly their best arm and I'm okay with Joey Fuego getting the opening day nod this year as long as Paddock cracks the damn rotation that's all I care about see that's what I'm starting to come around to but to play devil's advocate don't you want your best pitcher out there for the first game absolutely I do and it's clear absolutely. this stuff wise right now Paddock is our best option oh absolutely I do I, I I absolutely think Paddock should be the opening day starter if the theory is we're gonna go out there and put our best foot forward. But I'm okay with them giving Joey Fuego the nod just because if you want to go with... Marva brings this up, right? The meritocracy of it all. Right. Like, earning it. Like, technically, technically, Fuego earned it. Right. Like, he was the best starter on the team last year. Um, he did everything they asked him to do. He was their best starter coming into camp from, like, the returning guys. I'm okay with them saying, you know, like a tip of the cap. Like, hey, you know, it's probably going to be a one-and-done type of thing, barring injury. But you know what? We really appreciate you, kid. Here's the opening day start. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that. Even though I think it should be Paddock, I will be happy to say, you know, yeah, I'll give Fuego the start as long as Paddock breaks the rotation. And we're going to be there both days anyways. So I agree with that. You know, I do agree with that. And, and it really shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter this next part. But 
I think Paddock coming out and being vocal about it and having him want it. Obviously, he's a huge piece of your, of your future. Yeah. If he's all about that and he wants it, fucking give it to him, dude. Yeah. Give it, if he's going to crack the rotation anyways, give him the opening day nod. Like, do we really think Fuego's really going to sit there and be like, oh, man, fuck this. I would love it. If he it. doesn't get it. I would love if he got the opening day start. And I'd love it if they played up the Stone Cold Chris Paddock gimmick. Yeah. And he just goes out there and stuns Fuego and pours Gatorade on him. <laughs> Fuego's warming up for the opening day start. It's just like, in knowing those guys, I, I think, I see Joey Lucchese being the type where, because they're all boys, dude. Like, yeah. they all get along. I can see Lucchese being the guy where he's like, hey, man, this guy really wants it. Like, give it to him. You yeah. know what I mean? He, he's, ne- he's never going to come out and say that. But he's not going to be upset if you give it to Paddock. No, I but don't think I, so either. I get both things, and I'm coming around the point where Lucchese's probably going to start, and I get it doesn't matter but i saw something on twitter like a, a rookie has not made his major league debut on opening day for like almost 100 years who cares it's been decades so i think that'd be kind of cool to give paddock the start oh, dude. i apologize like, i yeah. thought you were trying to use that like people are using that to justify why you no, shouldn't like, no I, I think that'd be kind of cool it's like hey yeah. man we got this guy going and dude if anyone's gonna be on their game that day like dude paddock is gonna be fired the fuck up. stone cold chris paddock he's also gonna love that like half of padres twitter showing up in flannels and cowboy hats <laughs> selfishly selfishly i want to see Paddock, but I'd be okay with Lucchese. Like I, I get it. I would definitely be okay with Paddock on Beer Fest night. But yeah, I would too. <laughs> and and he definitely needs to crack the rotation. So if he cracks the rotation but doesn't get the opening day nod, all right. Like I'll I, take that as a consolation prize. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take that for sure. Uh, Mitchell out at Alec Weber nineteen. Uh, uh, very good friend of the show here, uh, fellow SDSU troll. Um, I just want to remind you guys that SDSU does not deserve the Qualcomm site, and Alec wants you to know that as well. He says, would you rather have at Uncle Pimo or Brian Mitchell in your SD Marlin starting rotation? I will take at Uncle Pimo strictly for the bougie alcohol he's able to provide us, <laughs> right. uh, as well as the wonderful banter. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to go Brian Mitchell. Oh. <laughs> Just because our first two games, we've completely steamrolled the other team. Yeah. So I think if Mitchell gives up uh, you know, 10 runs, it might make it more interesting for us. Some friend you are. Yeah. So, um, again, we had we had him on the show earlier. You don't get this insight anywhere else. Uh, A.Mazone, at AF Mazone. How much fun did you have? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that is a hard-hitting question. Yeah. Man, the Mazone's missing his calling on CNN. We had lots of fun. Um, Jachado, at Jake Libido, uh, one of our very first listeners, yes. dude, and he's still sticks with us so thank you we appreciate that who were you most impressed by we kind of talked about it earlier but overall who were you most impressed by you know what i i knew what to expect with gordon i was blown away and, and i'm big on more home so i'm gonna go ahead and say uh patino luis patino patino i think really i already loved him as it is but I, he's really put himself on the map for me after watching those three innings of just pure dominance i'm gonna go with mckenzie gore and i'm going with gore just because Dude, he was so on, man. He was so on, and there were times where he would miss with location, and he was pissed. He <laughs> He's was very red-ass. He has he, a lot of red-ass in him. He has a lot of red-ass in him, dude. And, like, no one got me more excited for the future than Mackenzie Gore. So I'll, I'll go with him. He's the guy that he's the guy that absolutely uh, takes that for me, for sure. Um, let's see what else that we have here. At Sports Talk, Barry would call you a racist right about now. <laughs> why would he call me a racist? Well, you're not picking Patino, that's why. You clearly <laughs> support white supremacy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so that's fine. Um, now, in regards to the uh, <laughs> sleeping arrangements here. Oh, God. Do so we this, have to go over this? Yeah, so we, we do. torture Hang chamber. On. Every time we left the damn restaurants, the bars... Or the uh, field. I was absolutely in the torture chamber. So Josh at Purple 3M. Who was the big spoon in the sleeping arrangement? So Danny and I did not share a bed. 
Um, we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. We yes. definitely didn't. Uh, Fritz, at SD Fritz, he wants to know, why did Danny sleep on a leather couch? You guys too cheap to get a two-bedroom place? We actually got a three-bedroom place. So here's how it usually goes. We typically get, so the first year we went out, we got an Airbnb that had um, two bedrooms. And so Eric and I uh, slept in one room on two singles. And then uh, our buddy of uh, two buddies of ours shared a bed. And then our, my cousin AJ, who uh, a few of you met, a few Padres Twitter got to meet this weekend, um, slept on a pullout couch. So that was the first year. Last year, we each got our own beds. We got a three-bedroom house. There was only three of us, so we each got our own beds and our own rooms. Perfect, right? This year, uh, good old Ad Uncle Pimo um, kind of threw a wrench into that because we got a three-bedroom house. Now, they said there were four beds. Really, there were three beds and a cot with a blow-up mattress. <laughs> And none of the bed, none of the rooms had two beds in them. There was just one bed each. There was right? a king, a yeah. queen, and two singles. Yeah. And one of the singles was in common area. So what I did, I wrote four names <laughs> on a piece of paper and put in a hat. I wrote uh, king, queen, single, and bitch. And bitch had to sleep in the common area. So I figured there would be a bed out there, and it turns out there wasn't. No. So you drew bitch. There's basically an ironing board that you put a <laughs> a, a blow-up mattress on. Yeah. And I got it down to where it was king and bitch. Yeah. Now, I didn't know this. I didn't know what the other two got because I wasn't paying attention. Yep. So, of course, I pull mine out. And because, you know, Eric's like those kids on Christmas where you don't even wait to pass out the gifts. He just opens it up as soon as he sees it. <laughs> he goes, yes! And so I automatically knew, well, it looks like I'm in the common area. Yeah. So, Which yeah, was okay seemingly at first until we saw how the sleeping arrangements <laughs> were set up. So I had three options. I had a two-seater love sofa that was vinyl. I had a three-seater <laughs> sofa, full sofa that was vinyl leather. And then I had this like red um, two-seater, I guess it was a sofa, red sofa, but it was like... What was it? What would you call it? It's like felt, felt material. Yeah, yeah basically. It, so when I eat a lot, when I drink alcohol, I sweat a ton, and I was kind of sick going into the weekend. So I was already sweating. Plus, you have three other overweight men in there on top of my overweight <laughs> self. So it was a very hot. It was very hot in there. So I had to pick which one I wanted to sleep on. I started on the red couch the first night, woke up in a heap of sweat, and just moved to the leather one because it was cooler. Even yeah. though you know when you pulled me off, it sounded like Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> So it was brutal. Also, didn't help that Eric, once I was getting the chills and was freezing, when he put the <laughs> temperature at like 60 degrees. 80. Uh, yeah. Well, first it was 60, because Patrick and 69, I were both cold. 69, excuse me. Yeah. We're both cold. It's windy. So I go put on some socks and my hoodie on top of my shirt. And, and two I'm, blankets. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm getting tired, so I'm like, hey, Eric, let me switch, because you're laying in my bed. <laughs> so you're sitting in my bed. So I go over there, I lay down, I'm nice and cozy. I got the... I got the felt blanket. I got the, the, the comforter on me. A couple pillows. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Let's start tossing and turning. Tossing and turning. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I just laid down. I didn't expect to sweat until about 3 in the morning. What's going on? And then all of a sudden I hear, ah! We turned it up to 80. Ah! As I'm dying of heat. Yeah, you can suck it. So, yeah, basically where that comes from. The only the only people that I ever expect 100% as a lock to go every year is me, you, and AJ. So for sure, I would love to have a lot of other people come. Like two years ago, we tried like an eight an eight man trip. I, yeah, I tried a huge trip, and everyone else bailed except for the three of us. Yeah. So I always like to have at least four beds, and that way if one other person wants to come, great. And so at this point, Patrick got to come, and it really made the trip, dude. Patrick was hilarious. So. Absolutely, Anyways. I loved having Sir Patrick Morgan out there. It was, yeah. it was nice to have somebody from the upper class of Carlsbad. Yeah, it yes. really yeah, it was a lot of fun. So Chris wrestling fan at Sports Brain, he said, "Did the team try to get you kicked off the fields when they found out who you were?" So actually, on the contrary. I was just going to say that. there's a couple of moments where I think Preller wanted us to stay. So there's two moments. The first one is kind of like And I want to preface this with Darren Smith said on his on the Darren Smith show 
that AJ Preller asked about Miserable Pottery Fan off the air. He said, hey, who is this fucking guy? So everyone, and then Marty's like, hey, do you think that that's AJ's burner? But no, supposedly AJ Preller asked Darren Smith about me and my personal Twitter account. So go ahead and tell the first story. So there's two stories. This one's kind of just a throwaway because, uh, you know, AJ Preller's funny this way. So there's a nice little, I forget what it's called, nice little Hawaiian barbecue place across the street. AJ saw us eating was eyeballing our food, which was hilarious in and of itself. But before that, we're over on that B-Squad game. This is where we saw Potts go yard off Santana, Machado getting on Mejia, and then, you know, hitting every uh, twice every uh, bottom half of the inning. Right. So we're sitting there, right? Now, our good friends, uh, Roy and Angela and Don are all there as well. And uh, Angela comes up and says, hey, Eric, there's somebody I want you to meet. And this gentleman walks up, and she goes, this is Eric also known as Miserable Padre Fan on Twitter. And Preller was there. And you can see, like, it's like when you know, like, you tell your dog, hey, boy, you want a treat? You want a treat? And their ears perk up. That's exactly Preller's reaction when he heard Miserable Padre Fan. <laughs> he looks up, and you can see his floppy hat kind of flip open, and he's staring like, is that him? And he's just sitting there watching the reaction between Eric and this gentleman, shaking hands and yeah. talking, and, hey, it's great to meet you. And it's it, you can literally see in his eyes, it's like he met Santa Claus yeah. from afar. He's like, oh, my God, it's him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I thought that was funny as hell because I didn't see it, but you told me about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was right there, and I looked. I'm like, oh, my God, Preller's, like, legitimately interested in this conversation. He sat there and stared until the guy left. Uh, you know, I meant to introduce myself to him when we were out there, but he's always talking with people. I don't want to bother him, dude. Yeah. So. We don't want to mess with the rat tail yeah so anyway dude i thought god i thought that was so funny so great so so great yeah there's some other good ones here honestly um in regards to the next part here this is i thought this one was pretty funny jason at pale underscore n underscore lazy pale and lazy just like myself (laughs) he says did it feel weird almost single-handedly dousing the energy and positivity around the team spring training performance with your presence starting with the dodger debacle i'll take your answer off the air (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude, the first game we went to, Wednesday or Thursday night, dude, they got destroyed. Was it 11-0 or yeah, some shit? Yeah, they were smoked pretty much every game except the last one we went to. Yeah, so I don't think that they scored a run until the second day we were there. And I... I've, I've told you guys before, it's one of the funniest things ever to me that I'm bad luck and when I show up, everything wrong happens. Like, it sucked to be at the game when they were getting their ass kicked, but we were, dude, we were smashed anyway. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And when he brought it up, I was like, oh shit, he's right. And someone was like, <laughs> someone's like, dude, they haven't scored a run since you got there. You need to get the fuck out. And I, I thought that was hilarious. I remember looking up after we knocked out a couple of what they call man cans, which are basically half, <laughs> half, half a, a bottle, bottle of wine yeah. for a good old nine bucks and we had smashed two each. Yeah. And we looked up I'm like, hey man, they're getting shut out. It's like eight nothing. Yeah, Bellinger just went yard. Yeah, we didn't care. It was, dude. It was so funny. <laughs> and then to that point, uh, Pimo, he was he was sitting there playing blackjack. We were at the casino after oh, this top is golf, so good. and we and he was sitting there, and you know I was getting ready to go, dude. And I was sitting there, I was getting ready to you know wrangle all you guys up. And so I go up behind Patrick, and I'm sitting there, and he knows I'm there. And dude, he loses like two or three hands in a row, and he lo- <laughs> like he loses like a, a hundred, if not more than that, on three hands. And he turns around after the third one. I think the deal. It was like a four or five card uh, 21. And Patrick turns around, he looks at me, he's like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) He's like, get out of here. So I guess I'm just bad luck anywhere I go, dude. Anywhere I go. I'm the biggest jinx, dude. The absolute biggest jinx. Living up to the gimmick. I love it. Uh, McNamara's band, at MC underscore Namaris. 
He says, give us a name of a not-so-well-known young player that impressed and you think will do some damage this season. Could be low A guy up to the MLB squad. Who do you have? Because I have a name, actually, that, that the guy kind of stayed out for me a little bit. A couple um, of them. I have a couple of them. The biggest one for me, we, we know who he is because of the, the profile when he signed, but Gabriel Arias right. um, is, is my big one. Because he looks good defensively. He's still playing short. Um, and there was a couple of Twitter uh, tweets about his swing changes. He looks really good. Looks like he really refined his approach. Um, BP, he was hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, he had a couple, I think he played in one of the backfield uh, B squad games we were watching and looked really, really good offensively. So I think he's a guy, you know, and to me, he's future. You want him to do well because he's a future trade piece at this point. Like he's completely blocked right. um, on the left side of the infield, particularly at short. Um, so that was the guy I was pretty impressed with as far as how much better he looked this year than what we had seen in the past. Yeah, exactly. So my guys, a couple guys, one of them, Justin Lopez, he hit the ball really fucking hard a couple times, a couple games that we saw. I believe he took, uh, was it Espinosa? I think he took Espinosa yeah. yard. Yeah. Um, he looked really, he looked pretty good. And then uh, another one, our good pal, Blake Hunt. <laughs> Blake Hunt behind the plate. He made a couple impressive throws. He was dude. catching Gore. He was actually. catching Gore. And he's, he's a, a big, big boy. dude. He's a big dude behind the plate, so he it, it looks kind of funny seeing him back there. But man, he like um, pop time and and the throw getting it down to second. He was really quick, yeah. really quick and really impressive. So I mean, what he does this year, I don't know. But I, I thought that I was pretty impressed by him, and then also Justin Lopez. One more guy that um, I forgot about. He actually came in relief of Patino. He's kind of fallen off a little bit since the draft. He also got leapfrogged by uh, one another guy like Reggie Lawson. But Mason Thompson looked really. Really good. Real good fastball sitting 95. Can you imagine these poor Mariner prospects? Great. We got that pimp squeak out of here. Excellent. And here comes this big corn-fed six-foot-four white kid throwing 95 miles an hour with a tidal wave wipeout slider. Yeah. He looked real, real good. And conversations we've had with Conniff is, you know, he kind of got leapfrogged a little bit. Reggie Lawson took a nice step forward last year and looks like he's going to continue to do so. And Thompson's been kind of hampered by injuries, even though they were seemingly he was uh, a little bit higher in the draft. Um, as far as uh, you know, prospect analysis goes, but he looked really impressive. Real yeah. clean mechanics, throws really hard, um, has a really good breaking ball. So he's a guy I'd keep an eye on to to kind of establish himself this year, assuming he gets healthy. That's a good call. Yeah, I was really impressed by Mason Thompson too. Like ninety-five miles an hour, easy gas. Yeah, and, and tall. it's it, yeah, it's it's no like it's no secret. I've always made known. I love a couple things. I love rednecks who smash. I love big rednecks that smash, and I love rednecks that just throw gas, dude. Like that's why I love uh, Mackenzie Gore, and that's why I love yeah. Hunter Renfro, and that's why I love now Mason Thompson. So yes. I'll be excited to see what he does. So um, Padres Geekster, this one's for me, uh, and we saw Padres Geekster. It's always good to see her. On a scale of one to ten, how jealous of you that Kevin AC tweeted about me and not you? And I don't want to be overly dramatic when I say I could not give less of a fuck of what Kevin AC ever has to say or what he thinks. Next question. Chad Etchison, <laughs> at Chad Etch, from our pals with the Los Hijos podcast. How did you really feel when I told you that you missed Anderson Espinosa's inning on the backfield and then he's casually walking right by us on your way out? I was pissed. Furious. We were absolutely furious. Now, it's all bougie Patrick's fault because we had to drop him <laughs> off at the airport. Now... Just to give you guys an idea, when we got there on Thursday, we thought the games were going to be at 11. Um, well, no, they were at 11. I think it was Friday we thought it was going to be at 11. They ended up being at 1. So we're right. like, okay, so it's changing. Um, so we left, 
on Friday, I thought, okay, Sunday's games will probably be at 1. Um, so when we came, we figured, okay, we're going to drop Mr. Morgan off at the airport. You know, before 11, we'll get to the fields around 11.15, 11.30, dick around, watch BP and whatnot, and then the games will come on at 1. Well, it turns out the game started at 11. And we literally got there right when he got done because we ran into the Los Hijos boys and like, oh, yeah, we saw Spinoza. You know, looked a little shaky, hit 93 to 95. You know, but he looked pretty good for a guy in the throne. And then there's Anderson. Espinoza. Literally walking right, right there, Anderson Espinoza. And Eric goes, hey, man, you couldn't uh, you couldn't wait until 1130? Yeah, he, he kind of <laughs> laughed. I was like, dude, you couldn't wait for me? I texted you. <laughs> and he, he kind of laughed. I didn't get it. Yeah. yeah he kind of <laughs> laughed. He's like, yeah, I didn't get it. And then I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'll see you in Elsinore this year. I gave him a pat on the back yeah. and you know, gave the young yeah, man a asked pat. asked him how he felt. I think uh, one of the Los Hijos boys asked him, hey, how'd you feel out there? He's like, yeah, you know, it felt pretty good. So yeah. good to see him out there. But, yeah. God, we were like. That's the guy I was most excited to yeah, see. Yeah, we, we talked about. Like, I literally missed my game on Sunday so I can go see him. Because, yeah, we talked. Like, hey, we can leave at, like, we can, you know. Six in the morning. Yeah, we'll six get to our morning. game on time. We'll, no, but I want to watch Espinosa pitch. Yeah. And guess what? We fucked it And up. we were not that far behind. Like, we were literally, thir- if we'd have gotten there 20 minutes earlier, we yeah. would have caught the entire outing. I was so pissed. So disappointing. Such a, such a bummer way to end what had, to this point, been easily the best trip we've had since we started going to spring training. Yeah. Like, it gets better and better, but this year was easily the best trip we've had. Yeah. The most fun we've had, whether it be, you know, through spring training or just, you know, doing stuff out away from spring training, and we miss Espinosa by 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Damn it. So, uh, we're coming up on an hour here, so I want to do one more question, and then I want to go to to something that I want to put on record, okay? Um, Tom Hughes, at T-O-M, very creative. (laughs) Opening day lineup one through nine. Now, is this my what I think it will be or what I want it to be? Let's go with, we'll go with what you want it to be, and I'll go with what I think it will be. Okay, perfect. So I'm just going to write this out so I can see it. Um, So my opening day lineup, I want it to be Arias leading off. I want Machado hitting two. I want Tatis hitting three. I want uh, uh, Reyes hitting four. Hosmer five. Don't sound so excited. Hey, I mean, I hope he does well. He was. Let me tell you, you guys haven't seen Hosmer take BP. I know AC. You know he kind of gets you know cliche, and there's a lot of hyperbole. Right. Hosmer was hitting bombs. Yeah, he really. I was. mean, bombs. Yeah. At will. Um. So hopefully he did have a lot of wind at his back. To be fair, he also beat. I think you were periscoping. Um, were you periscoping? Yeah. Him? Yeah. Hosmer with a ground ball to second. Hosmer with the ground ball yeah. in seconds. So there were some times. Yeah. And Andy Green, to his credit, those are pretty good BP. Yeah. Rod Barajas would not be your guys' manager yeah. if you saw how shitty his BP really is. It was terrible. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was launching bombs. Wind at his back. I mean, it was really strong wind. It, it wasn't strong enough to help Hedges get more than two out, um, but it was really <laughs> strong. So, uh, go ahead. You had my, you had Hosmer in the five hole? Uh, yes, Hosmer okay. five. Uh, Will sixth, and he would be. I'm writing their positions down, so make sure I do this. Okay. Uh, Will in left, uh, Mejia catching. Okay. Margot in uh, center. Mm-hmm. And Paddock on the mound. So just to recap, John Cantera style: Urias, Machado, Tatis, Reyes, Hosmer, Myers, Mejia, Margot, Paddock. Okay. So here's here's how I think it's going to be. Okay, and I'm not stoked about a, a couple things in here. Uh, Ian Kinsler's going to lead off. Clearly. And he'll be playing second base. I, after that, it's kind of what I want to see and what I think is going to happen. I think Urias is going to be in the two-hole, and he'll be at short. Oh, that's interesting. I think Machado will be in the three-hole. He'll be uh, playing third, obviously. And then after that, I'm going Myers, batting cleanup in left field. I'm going Hosmer uh, in the five-hole at first base. Reyes in the six-hole out in right. 
Austin Hedges behind the plate. And I have Margot out in center, and I have Joey Lucchese on the mound. I think you're going to be pretty close. I would be stunned. I like the idea of Urias in the tool because I believe if you think he's going to be your leadoff hitter going forward, I think you just bat him leadoff. But I can settle for the two hole because I think he'll get on base a lot. But I really do like the lineup. You know, assuming Kinsler can find some 330, 340 on base magic again, I like Kinsler the way they've been doing. Where it's been, uh, I think it's been Kinsler, Machado, Hosmer. Reyes Myers. Like, I yeah. liked that one through five, at least from a standpoint of like, hey, maybe we can surprise some guys. Yeah. I, I, I've liked the way that's looked. Yeah, I like that too. I don't like the idea of Will Myers playing in center field. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't really like that because I think what it does in a way, um, that way, basically, they're setting up the lineup so that Reyes can get in and Renfro can get in as well, which they're going to mash lefties. <laughs> they're absolutely yes. going to mash lefties, which is fine. But the way I see it, I think that that's directly taking away um, opportunities for growth and development from Margot and giving it to Renfro. You're also letting a lot of runs score because you're having a guy who, statistically speaking, has not been very good in the outfield, minus left field. Um, so I, I do think it's okay to prioritize offense to a point. But my three most important positions, catcher, shortstop, center field. Like defensively, I think, and I know this kind of goes against the Mejia, you know, me wanting him to start. But I think those are positions where if you can, it makes sense. Um, like you want a guy who's good defensively up there. I'm willing to go with Mejia because I think he can improve defensively. But like Myers is not a center fielder. He's not a right fielder. He's not a third baseman. He's a he's maybe not even a left fielder. He's really a first baseman. But I'd rather him in left field. I don't like the idea either. You know? I don't like the idea of having him in center, dude. Just let no. him play one position. Put yeah. him in left, dude. We've seen enough of him in center to know he's not very good at it. Yeah, just put him in left and let him do his thing, man. Leave him alone. Leave Will alone. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. But I, I do think you're pretty close with that. I'd be shocked if Urias is in the two-hole. But I like the idea of it because you know it gives you another guy to get on base. Yeah. Um, a good base runner. He's got some speed. And basically what we hope... We're basically like the new Ian Kinsler, right? That type of player right. um, in the two-hole. I like that idea a lot. So here's here's what here's what I wanted to bring up at the very end, because uh, we're about an hour in here, a little bit, a little bit more. But I wanted to bring this up because I got pretty passionate about this on the drive home, and basically I wouldn't shut up about this from probably Gila uh, Bend to Yuma. I would say. I, no, I would say from probably Peoria all the way to Gila Bend. I don't think we had the radio on until then because we were just sitting there going at it in regards to this. So yeah. here's what I want to say. And obviously, this is, uh, you know, bearing injury, uh, barring injury. And, you know, a few things have to go right, man. These guys have to develop. You know, a few things have to go right. I can see a scenario in which the Padres win the World Series next fucking year. 2020. 2020. And here's why. Here's what has to happen, Okay. There's got to be no injuries. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it with that, which I know is a huge ask. I know it's a huge ask, and maybe why I'm so excited about this and why I think it's a possibility is the offense. It's the offense, and I'm buying into spring training offense, which I know is a terrible, terrible not stats. Thing to you're get. buying into ability based on what you're seeing. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I I was going off of stats, but I'll go oh, with what well, you said. Yeah. Let's go with what I said to make you look a little better. I'll go with what you said, and and, and here's what I'm thinking. The offense is going to be there. At this point, they need the pitching staff. They need the pitching staff. If that thing is implemented, the three batter minimum, I think that immensely helps the Padres which with how they're set up. I think that does nothing but help their bullpen. That's my personal opinion. Um, we can get into that later. Like you know, no, that's for another episode. That's a filler episode. That's for yeah, yeah. When we're talking about that, uh, guys, just know there's nothing else for us to talk about. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're desperate for content. Yeah. Also, if the DH comes to the National League, I don't think it'll come as soon as next year. But that I think it could be 2020. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. That definitely helps their cause. Here's what has to happen. Health has to be there. Okay. Their offense is going to be good enough. I think their offense might even be able to carry them to a wild card. This maybe, year, I think maybe they this could, year. And we'll go with a little bit of predictions when you're done with this. Their pitching staff. That's how they're going to get there. I think a full year of Paddock this year. Well, 150 innings, whatever he's going to throw. Give him that experience. Give him the major league. Let him work through it. Let him get knocked around a little bit because he will as much as we love him. Give him that year to grow this year. And then next year. So we need a healthy Garrett Richards. Uh, Garrett Richards is coming back maybe at the very, very end of this year. So it's going to be kind of Paddock, right? So where he comes back to where he can throw at the very end of the year, but he has a whole regular offseason of, of preparation. So you have a healthy Garrett Richards. You have Chris Paddock. Um, a lot was made of, hey, do we sign Bryce Harper or do we use that money for a starting pitcher in 2019? And I've always been against anytime there's a pitcher that's over 30 years old, I don't want to give him big money except for this. Sign Justin Verlander. Give him a two-year deal. Justin Verlander's a guy, he's a legitimate ace. There's no, no question about it. Sign Verlander for two years. You have him posted right there at the top of your rotation. So in that case, you have some variation of Verlander, Garrett Richards, and Chris Paddock at the top. That's strong, dude. Imagine that in a five-game series. That's very fucking strong to have those guys. And then you toss in a... You'll probably have Morahone at that point, right? He'll probably make his uh, Major League debut probably 2020. I think he'll make it this year, honestly. If not, Yeah, if not the end of this year. Maybe he's a staple in the rotation next year. So you have those guys. Uh, you have Verlander. You have Garrett Richards. You have Paddock. You have probably Morahone. And then you ride that out. Maybe you have Lamette as a starting pitcher. Uh, Fuego, maybe he's your five. Uh, figure that out. You have a dynamite bullpen. We've had that established already. And then... Um, Depending on where you're at, and I think they would be set up well during the trade or at the trade deadline, maybe you see someone you really like and that's attainable and that you can put together a package to get that guy. Or at that point, the the trade deadline acquisition, you bring up Mackenzie Gore. Agreed, 100%. Mackenzie Gore is the jolt that goes into an already elite rotation, and he's the guy. I see him, dude. I see him the same way that I see Madison Bumgarner in 2010. He's going to be that guy that's the redneck, that's full of piss and fucking vinegar. I can see him literally putting us on his fucking back. Maybe he shouldn't be throwing that late into the season, but the World Series is on the line, and Gore's going to fucking carry us, dude. He Gore, could be Verlander, from last year. They're going to fucking carry us, dude. I'm telling you, with that lineup and that pitching staff, you got to bring in Verlander. Throw the money at Verlander, dude, and I think they're set up prime for a World Series next year. Put that on record, H.J. Preller, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm going way out on a limb here, and I'm going to say if those things happen, they're going to they're going to win it. I don't think it's that far of a limb. I mean, here, what have we noticed about teams of late that have really dove into the rebuild? That they have arrived sooner than you expected. The Cubs went out and they signed Lester with the idea of they wanted in what 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they signed Lester with the idea of, okay, 2016 is going to be the year we make the playoffs and start moving towards the World Series. Well, they made the NLCS in 2015, and then they lost, and then, of course, got to the World Series the next year and won it and, and all that. Um, the Astros were another team, right? Like, the Astros competed. They had kind of a down year the following year, and then they win the World Series the next year. Like, they arrive a year early. I, I would be comfortable, depending on how everything breaks out, particularly the offense, how quick Tatis comes up, and what the pitching does, which I think could surprise people this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run at, like, I think their base wins is, like, 75. I can see them, if things break well, 
getting to that 80-85 win margin. It's going to be a big break, but I can see that. But next year, I don't think that that's far off. Here's my here's my thing with Verlander, my uh, my uh, you know off the field stuff that I talked to you about on the way home yesterday, and that. Verlander went to Houston, who, I mean, that's team analytics, right? Like, Verlander basically has it's come out and stated it's been well-documented. When he went over there, they basically put him in front of their programming and said, here's what you can do to your curveball to make it better, right? And outside of what Trevor Bauer has to say about it, um, <laughs> you know, they use, you know, TrackMan and Rapsodo. Who would be, who is more perfect to bring in on a short-term, I'd give him two years, $60 million, to bring in with the Padres now implementing Rapsodo because we saw it in the games where we every saw, field, yeah, every, every field, field during the yeah during the scrimmages they had them they, out there. They had it right out there, right in front of the cut between the grass and the dirt at home plate. They had it out there. What better guy to bring in? Yeah, and a guy who basically was already good and and basically remade himself an ace within a month with the Astros to come in and say, here's how you read this data, here's how it makes you better, and you know here's how I'm going to work with you to get to that point. Like what better a guy? But I don't think you're that far off because at this point, Tatis is your everyday. He's your everyday uh, shortstop. Machado's your 27-year-old all-star third baseman. Urias is hopefully entrenched as what Ian Kinsler was with the Rangers. Like, he's not the best player on the team, but he's that cog at the top of the lineup. Here's your 350, 360 on base. He's going to steal you 20 bags, give you gold glove defense. Like, he is an essential cog that you use to set the table for your stars. We should know who's in center field. We should know who's in left or right. Like, Paddock will be up for his first full season. Like there's a lot going on, and Mackenzie Gore could be that you know that spark the the Madison Bumgarner. Walker Bueller yeah. is a good point. Like I know the Dodgers didn't win at all, but Walker Bueller came up and was an absolute lightning rod. Yeah. This is why I hate the Dodgers because they have guys they don't need to go out and make trade deadline, uh, trade deadline acquisitions all the time. They have enough depth where they can just pluck somebody and throw them in the lineup, and then it's as good as a deadline acquisition. On top of Lamette's coming back this year. I don't think Lamette's going to start. I, I don't think he's better than the guys that they currently have. I think yeah. he's better, and Baez might be too. The more I see Baez, the more I'm thinking, you know, maybe these guys are just shut down multi-inning relievers. We're now, Which is th- fine. Yeah, we're now that three batter minimum is like, okay, great. We got Strom. He can go strike guys out for a couple of innings, three batter minimum. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also have Castillo who will be back next year. Oh, and by the way, here's Lamette and Baez pumping 95-plus with wipeout sliders. Yeah, Bob, assuming we even still have him because we could flip him. Who knows? But I I can see, I'm getting all excited. I can see 2020 being that year where we're like, hey, we I can see 2019 arriving a little bit earlier and surprising people and being competitive, you know, close to 500. And then 2020 really breaking out. Now that will be Justin Verlander's age 37 season, but he has no signs of slowing down right now. He said he wants to pitch into his mid 40s. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, if, if that's what you want to do, go for it. We're only giving you two years. Yeah, if you do a two-year deal, it's like... It's it'll not be like ages 37 and, and 38. Yeah. And he even came out and said, hey, I'm willing to take shorter-term deals to prove myself and bet on myself. Yeah. So that's that's my guy. I Perfect mean, fit in that scenario. Yeah, he's your horse, dude. He's your horse. He's your ace. And guess what, man? He was worth 6.3 B-War last year. Wait, wait, so, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you don't get to use war after you shit on me for it yesterday. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Get out of here. Obviously, I'm just kidding. But, but no, I, I think you're right. And, and you don't need him to be that. You need him to be a number three starter you're basically getting him to give you 160 plus innings and to help with the other guys because I do buy into you know I don't buy into veteran presence like an AJ Ellis like that guy sucked pretty much his whole career like he at one point his peak was like average everyday regular barely like I do buy a guy into Verlander coming up to a paddock and saying hey man yeah I've got good pitches but basically fastball curveball so Here's how I'm going to work with you on this. Like, hey, go, hey, McKenzie. Like, I used to be a top prospect and a young guy coming up. Here's like, I, I buy into that. Machado with Tatis and, yeah. and what we've seen with Mejia. Like, I buy into that stuff. 
So he, I think he would be the perfect, the perfect fit. And if Richards can't go out there and give you like, you know, 150 innings, I think Marver is saying like, you'd be lucky to get 100. Give it to me out of the pen. Like, Paddock's going to go five or six, and then you just bring Richards in for two innings one day, and then the next night, you know, Verlander goes six or seven, and then you bring in Lamette for two innings, and, and so on and so forth. Anyways, I just want to get it on record, because I know way back in May on the Working the Count podcast, we had started talking about Machado. Yes. So I want to, in March, of, and that was May of 2018, so in March of 2019, I want to start the campaign of Justin Verlander coming to the Padres. So you heard it here and first, plus, folks. Kate Upton would come to the game, so it's just a nice benefit. Indeed, indeed. So, um, real quick here. So we'd have Kate Upton and Miss Morahone? We sure would. Boy, that's World Series right there. I don't need okay. any trophies. Remove those tarps, <laughs> baby. Remove those tarps. So real quick Clear here. Clear off the upper deck. Yeah. Real, real quick here, without any any insight or anything, because we're not gonna we're probably not gonna record before the season starts. I yeah. wanna give out I want you to give your prediction. Not even oh hey, here's how they're gonna get there, here's why they're gonna get there. How how many wins are, are they gonna put up this year? Seventy five is my over under, so I think I'm gonna go with seventy five wins. You think seventy five wins? Yes, sir. I'm gonna go with eighty. There you go. I think they're gonna finish yeah, eighty and eighty two. So that's that's just what I think. We'll I see. see it. But again, I've said before, I see ways that this team could compete for the wild card this year. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm just being really conservative, so I don't have to come back and you won't fair. shit on me for 85 wins. Yeah, and you're gonna. I think yeah. realistically, they will probably land just under 500, which I I view as a major major plus. huge upswing considering they've won what barely 70 the last couple of years. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we'll see you guys at opening day. Danny and I will be at opening day. Uh, we will definitely be there. Beer Fest the next day, which will probably be Paddock's debut. Yes. We will be there. Um, Are we doing the cowboy hats and the flannels for Paddock's I'm not doing debut? flannel. I'll, I'll find a cowboy hat. I but, have a cowboy hat. Well, so, yeah. excuse me. I have a ranchero hat. I beg your pardon. So, Padre jersey and a cowboy hat for Paddock's start. So, we'll be there. Uh, he's at 5.5 Dan. Um, I'm at miserable as defan. Eric, no longer miserable. Smiling Jordan still gives me the creeps. I hey, will not lie. He's here to stay, baby. We'll see you guys next time. We're out of here.